Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So, getting really practical now. If you live in the 21st century and you're trying to do anything productive with your life, I'm sure you have tried to prioritize. I'm sure you've tried to uh, do that, and I'm sure it may have left you bewildered. It certainly leaves me very much bewildered. And um, then you start reading, you know, stuff, uh, you know, to help you out, and you find things like this. If it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. Or you find stuff about essentialism. One of the best books I've been reading recently is a book about, about essentialism by a guy called Greg McCowan. Really good stuff, talking about you know the power of, of focus. Um, and there's a lot about that in the business world right now. The most successful people are the people who actually do the least, do it the best, and they actually work the least. That's what they say. I don't know if that's true or not, but there's, of course, statistics to back that up. Of course, you can find statistics to back up almost anything. It's coming from a previous statistician. Pardon? Tell us more. Tell us yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. Greg McCown, there's a four-hour work week. I don't know anybody here read that, the four-hour work week. Yeah, so everybody I know who's read it has told me it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but... Caroline is laughing, right? So there is a certainly, that is a certainly, that is a way of doing things, of trying to prioritize and say, okay, well, this is most important. I really I got to get this done today. And this is, you know, and so on. And they say you probably shouldn't assign yourself more than four to five tasks per day because more than that, you're just going to go in circles trying to get them done and get less done than if you only gave yourself four or five tasks. One of them being like the absolute must. These are like basic things. I'm sure some of you have heard, or a lot of you are in the corporate world and you guys know this stuff much better than me. I'm going to suggest a slightly different way of doing things, of setting one goal which is in line with your purposes. And when you arrive at the end of one goal, that will become the starting point for another goal. You can have multiple goals and you can even have them well described and exactly how you want how you want to accomplish them. But to to work on one goal almost to only work on one goal at a time, maybe two or three at the most. Proverbs says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. This is certainly how I how I used to start most most of my days, right? I would sit and write a list of literally, no joke, Abuna, don't laugh at me, over 40 people that I want to call and outreach that day, early in my priesthood. Very quickly I realized that's impossible. It's just impossible, right? You know, unless all of these people don't answer their phones and all of these people don't call you back, right? So there's a way that seems right to us in the moment. And over time we learn that maybe, you know, and so on, right? But going back to the one thing, there's somewhere else in the Bible where it talks about one thing. Remember Mary and Martha, and they're sitting, Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Of course, she chose What's that one thing that she chose is Jesus is to sit at his feet. And I can't help, like forgive me, like, but I can't help but, but, but mention this verse from 2 Corinthians 
where St. Paul is really putting it forward to us, like St. Paul is being really bold. He's saying, for the love of Christ compels us, like constrains us, like has us tied up. Because we judge thus, he says, this is how we figure it. If one died for all, then all have died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So, in my past life, I used to deal with a lot of cancer. And a lot of time, you see cancer survivors. Um, and they'd be doing amazing things with their lives. And you'd ask them, wow, you have like a lot of motivation. And then maybe they'd be, still be sick, maybe still going through some treatment, maybe this, maybe that. And then you'd ask them, a lot of people, I'd ask them, so what keeps you going? And a lot of people would answer and saying, I feel like I'm living on borrowed time. I'm sure you've heard that expression before. That means that I shouldn't be here, but I am here, so I must be here for a reason. So let me do something with my life. Now, the question that I want to put before you and before myself, first and foremost, before, before anybody else, is why do I have to, why does my life have to be at risk with cancer, go through devastating, you know, adjuvant therapy, maiming surgery, disfiguring maiming surgery, to realize that I'm here for a reason. I'm not saying this about the cancers, I'm not putting them down. They are, those people I'm talking about, honestly, I don't deserve the dust under their feet. I'm talking about me. I'm, talking, I'm just talking about me. Maybe some of this applies to you, maybe not. Right? St. Paul says, I have already, not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What's St. Paul saying? St. Paul is saying, Jesus went through a lot of trouble to take hold of something. Alright? So, I'm not going to lazy out now after he, you know, walked the way of the cross, died, suffered, died, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, sent us the Holy Spirit. He went through all this trouble to, to lay hold of something. I'm not going to now just let that go by the wayside. I'm going to press forward, push onwards towards my goal, until I also lay hold of that for which he has laid hold of for me. So what is this? What is this something that St. Paul is talking about? What, what, is it, what is it about my life, your life? Remember before we were saying, in the second talk we were saying, that Jesus had a purpose. And when he's preaching the gospel and healing the sick and everybody's, all the multitudes are coming in Luke 4 and the disciples are saying, you know, let's, that's it. We should set up, you know, Jesus headquarters here, head office and right. And we're going to hire staff and this and that and set up camp. Jesus says, no, no, no. I have to go to other cities because for this purpose, I have come. Jesus knew his purpose. What about me? What about you? Esther, in the Old Testament. Orphan girl becomes queen, orphan, you know, girl of the slave nation becomes queen. And then all her people are supposed to get decimated and, you know, be like, die by a genocide, right? And her uncle goes to her and says, talk to your husband, the emperor, and tell him not to da-da-da-da-da. And she's reluctant. 
He tells her, maybe, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows? Maybe you have come to wherever you are at, you know, in re- a reference to Mo's, Mo's question earlier, who is my neighbor, the guy right next to me, maybe God put me where I am and that guy right next to me for such a time as this. So what to do? What to do? If you haven't noticed, I'm trying to keep all of these talks as practical as I can. I say, ask God, set goals, and then achieve them. Now, we'll talk a little bit about how to do that. But before we talk more, let's get your answers. So, so you remember this audience response thing? So, how many of you make New Year's resolutions? If you want to answer yes, you, you text 37607, you put in this code, F-R-J-O-H-N-B-O-U-T-R-O-279, and space A for yes and B for no. Anybody having any technical difficulties or anything? Okay, so survey says dating myself, nobody can watch the price of right price is right. <laughs> so almost a 50-50 split. Almost a 50-50 split. Ah, oh, there you go. Somebody wanted to, you know, make me Oh, it's, it's not let, it's not letting go. Uh... Okay, for those of us who do make New Year's resolutions, how, how often do you set New Year's resolutions? I know you're going to laugh at this question. How many times is there New Year's? Well, we're Coptic. It comes around in September. It comes around again in December. It comes around again around my birthday in February. And then I was ordained in July. So then I set new priesthood resolutions in July. Right? So I'm going to be the weird one who's going to put E there. Right? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
So most people who set New Year's resolutions do it once a year. Me and a couple of other funny people do it four times a year. And then uh, uh, a third of the people answered never, and then the rest is evenly split. Okay, one more. One more, just to help us kind of, you know, stay in the game. So, how often do you achieve your New Year's resolutions? All of them. Huh? One of them. Like if you set seven or eight New Year's resolutions, you set one, you achieve one of them in the coming year. So congratulations everybody, big hand of applause to you all for first of all being awake, <laughs> second of all, congratulations to you all, you are a representative sample of North American people. Let's go back and look at those numbers. So how many people set New Year's resolutions? About 50%. Of the people who do, how many people set, set more than one New Year's re resolution? It's the, the slight majority is the, uh, is, is the answers. And of people who set New Year's resolutions, how many, how many, what percentage of them achieve them? Approximately 10%. 10%. So, in terms of mechanisms of life change, New Year's resolutions don't really work very well. But those of us who do them, continue to do them, and do them in plenty, right? Which is kind of funny. I would like to propose a different mechanism to New Year's resolutions. I kind of lied, I kind of cheated, because I don't do New Year's resolutions anymore. I, I set goals. Um, about about uh, three years ago now, three New Year's ago, um, the, the, the December 31st New Year's, I was uh, uh, <coughs> doing a little bit of research about this. I don't know how I got to it. And I discovered a course, and a lot of this material is from that course about goal setting. And it actually is probably one of the most useful things I've learned in the last three years. So I figured I would share this with you. Four steps to, very, to successful goal settings. The goal setting. The first is to write your goals down. The second, to use a system like an ob objective system like SMART or SMARTER or goals. Third is to share your goals selectively. And fourth is to review your goals regularly. Writing your goals down. So there are a couple of studies which have been contested that have 
show astronomically different success rates if you actually write your goals down. So if you take two groups of people and they do nothing different other than one group writes down their goals and the other group doesn't, the, the difference between 70 to 300% in the likelihood of actually succeeding in achieving their goals. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, because those studies have been contested, they've tried to validate them, and they haven't. I think there's two studies out there, one from Colombia and one somewhere else. But nonetheless, nonetheless, how long, like suppose it does work and it does yield a three times likelihood of it working. How much time is it going to take me? You know, very little. I'm going to think through my goals. I might as well go to the trouble of writing them down, right? Then there's the system of SMART goals, which you may or may not be already uh, very well acquainted with. Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time-based, right? And so I'm not going to spend too much time on that. But this is, this is really the heart uh, of goal setting, right? There has to be something specific. So a goal is not a behavior. I want to be healthier. That's not, that's not a goal. I want to lose... 30 pounds by March. That's, that is a specific, measurable, uh, time-based goal. Whether it's attainable or not depends on a whole other a bunch of things that you, know, you need to ask your wife about, right? So, right, is it realistic? I don't know, right? So, if it's to be, if your goal is to be, it's probably a behavior. It's probably a state. It's not a goal. It should be something that is very, very, very specific, very clear. Share your goals selectively. So they've done some research um, in when you share your plans, be they goals or anything else, with people, and people respond positively, the, the kind of um, biochemical reaction that we have in our brains is very similar to that when we achieve our goals. So when I come and say, you know, uh, oh, uh, Abuna, I noticed that you're, you know, uh, not eating any bread. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to lose some weight. Good on you, Abuna. That's amazing. Well done. Keep it up. So the same reaction, I get the same reaction, the same um, kind of satisfaction as having achieved it. So sharing your goals at large, you may get tons of positive feedback. <coughs> which then may give you the feeling like you've achieved it, but you haven't, right? So that's not good. And then the other thing is you might bump into a whole bunch of naysayers. That's not very helpful either. A whole bunch of people to discourage you. So the best thing is to choose a few people selectively who can hold you accountable and can encourage you to share your goals with. The third thing is to review your goals regularly. I have a couple of friends that do this. I was surprised to find two of my friends who do this. In their closet, they have a little cork board. Both of them have the same cork board. It's only about, it's about the size of my Bible when it's open. Really small. And they have like three or four post-its on it. Pinned, pinned on it. And those are their goals. Every day when they go to get their clothes, they ask themselves, is this what I'm doing today? Like, this is what I set out to do this year. But is what I'm doing today in line with this or not? And if it isn't, what am I going to do about that? Now... Every day is, is really good, but is maybe a, little, uh, maybe a little bit much. What I think the general recommendation is, is at least once a week. So I actually have a little reminder in my phone, Mondays at 8 p.m. telling me, review your goals, right? 
The, the last thing is, after you write your goals down, write down your why. Why is this goal important to me? Try to write, write down five to seven reasons why this is going to make a difference. And if you can't come up with five reasons that are meaningful to you, why you're going to do this, I mean, maybe you sh I should be asking myself whether I, need to, I really want or need to do this right now at all. I'm sure there are other things that I can think of more than five reasons why. And the reason it's imp really important to write this stuff down is because things always get started great. And you're, I'm enthusiastic and I'm excited and I'm going to do this and this is amazing. And then the end, when you can see the finish line and you're just about to cross and you're there, you know, you get that second wind, to, you know, to, to go racing across the finish line like a hero. But in the middle is that the messy middle, right? In the middle is that, uh, you know, where we lose our focus, we lose our steam. So being able to go back to your why and really describe to yourself, really describe to myself, what am I going to lose out on? If I don't do this, what's it going to cost me? If it's going to cost me nothing, I, I'm not going to withstand the messy middle. And then the last thing is to identify and record and connect regularly with my goals. It's important that there be some kind of emotional content in, in my goals. right? It's worthwhile to say, I'm going to be really discouraged if I don't fulfill this goal. right? Because all of us connect intellectually, but we also connect emotionally. right? So having an emotional connection with, with our goals is very, very helpful. And then once you've gone through all that trouble, then just get started. Just go for it. Just do it. Right? And the best time to do it is now. Right? Because tomorrow, my tomorrow anyways, yeah, never comes. Another thing with it which is worthwhile uh, to mention is that sometimes our goals are really big. So you can break those up into you know, small subsidiary goals. So I have a goal for January and February, which is then going to lead me to another goal for March, April, March, April and May, and so on and so on, right? So, if um, anyhow, you can think of you can think of examples on your own, right? Another thing, another thing that I've read a lot about is to really be very. Um, suspicious of the word try. If I'm going to try to do something, I'm probably not going to do it. So I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to stick to the plan. And God may redirect my steps and I'm totally open to that. I, I, completely, I completely believe in being malleable in God's hands and doing what God directs you to do and following the direction of the Holy Spirit, direction of your spiritual father and so on, you know, in accordance with scripture. And so I, I completely believe in all of that. But that is not contradictory to planning. Most people in my church think it's the other way around, that I'm, I, that I'm against planning and I just want to follow the Spirit. But that's not... That's not the truth. I genuinely, truly believe in all this stuff because I've seen it work in my life. In James, in, in James it's a, St. James says, 
that let us not say we're going to do this and we're going to do that, but say if the Lord is willing, right? We will do this and we will do that, right? And lastly, lastly, right? Let's go back to the drawing board regularly. Like along with reviewing my goals, I take my goals back to where I pray. And I sit and I hold them in front of Jesus and ask him, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the one needful thing or not? And when I do that, my goals, which one year was to get out of debt. This year, my goals are largely personal goals, are largely health related. I do this for me, for my home, for my church, right? All the different aspects of my life. I try to set one goal. And I, sometimes I write down, like when I'm doing this, I brainstorm 20 goals. But then I choose one and I go through this whole process with it, right? And I know the other ones, I want to do them. And when I get bored, I prioritize the other ones, right? But there's one that I'm going to stick to right now in this area of my life. Like I'm giving you examples, right? Get out of debt, lose weight and get fit, yada, yada, yada. So these aren't like uh, read, the Bi read the Bible cover to cover. Like they're not, forgive me, they're not spiritual goals. But you think God cares about them? I think so. And I know so because I take them, I take my goals and I put them before Jesus and I ask him, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the one needful thing? Am I Marthaing or am I marrying? There's a time to Martha, but this is, you know, am I doing the one thing which is needful? Or am I, you know, like off target, off the mark? And I believe, I really believe that God it is his desire to reveal his will to us. So your homework, if you choose to accept it, is to go home and write down seven to ten goals. Right? Just write them down. Including career goals, health goals, financial goals, spiritual goals, personal goals, etc. But just choose one in each department at most. Or just choose one. Just make it an experiment with one goal. Make sure it's specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time-based, something you can emotionally connect to, all of that, okay? Oh, I didn't talk about this, about a push goal. Sometimes you'll notice that I would be a morning person if I didn't always uh, waste tons of time at night and pig out and do this and do that. I would be this... I, you know, I would have more energy in the morning. I would be more spiritual. I would be I, all these things. And they're all related to one aspect in your life. Those are what we call like, put, sometimes people call them push goals or super goals or power goals or different people use different words. The point is, is that if you achieve that, it'll make a lot of other things easier. If you identify one of those, obviously, if you can, and if you think it's reasonable, start with that. And then choose a time when you'll review your goals, at least weekly. Daily is great, but at least weekly. They say for people who are, you know, trying to lose weight and so on, or, or get fit anyways, that, uh, you know, having a smart scale that can, you know, your weight and body fat percentage, all that stuff, and weighing yourself daily. So I looked into this weighing yourself daily stuff because other people have been really against it and said, no, that, that can, you know, that can really discourage you. And then like, you know, you, 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 things go in the wrong direction a little bit and then you just, you know, pack up shop and quit for like two weeks and so on. So I went and looked a little bit into why. And the only thing that I could find that made sense that said why it's useful, and so I've stuck with it, 
is because it forces you to review your goals. It forces me, forces me every day to see, am I sticking to it or am I not, right? Identify your why. Make sure it's clear before your eyes, at least five to seven reasons why this is going to make a difference. If it's not going to make a difference, I promise you it's not going to get done. And pray, pray all along the way. A goal without a plan is just a wish. So my wish for you is to have goals. Summing up the entire series now, all three talks. Our hearts cry out to the Lord and they say to him, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the greatness of your loving kindness, answer me with your saving truth. Lord, in the time that you find acceptable, answer me. And our beloved answers and says, In a favorable, in a favorable time, I have answered you. And in a, the day of salvation, I have helped you. God wants to help you. And he wants to help you. Today, St. Paul says, he adds on to that and says, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.